0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water Community Church. That's a good one. That's a good good morning. I didn't even have to do a second try. I hope everyone is having a good week so far, and I hope that everyone has had a good new year so far. There's a lot of things to be grateful for, a lot of things to be thankful for, a lot of things that we should be appreciating. So I hope everyone is having a good new year so far. Last year, we began our our new series. It was the new series for the new year, and it's called Reboot Your PC. That is your personal commitment. And today, we're going to continue in this series with another term that I can, I can relate to. As I said last week, I'm an IT guy. I've been a computer guy for many, many a year. So uh, I can relate to this. And I'm sure that some of you can relate to this term as well. Today, we're going to be talking about VPN, or Virtual Private Network. Let me see a quick show of hands if you guys know what a VPN is. Heard of that before? You've used a VPN before? I see hands going up, awesome, awesome. They told me that you guys wouldn't know what a VPN is. Just joking, nobody told me that. I just assumed that you may not know. So for those of you who didn't put up your hand and have no idea what I'm talking about, what a VPN is, let me help you out a little bit. In simple terms, a virtual private network or a VPN protects your identity and browsing activities from hackers, from businesses, and from government agencies, and other snoops. When connecting to the internet using a VPN, your data and IP address are hidden by a type of virtual tunnel, the secure virtual tunnel. And it keeps others from spying of your, on your online activity. So. Couple of technical terms in there, but hopefully, you get the main idea. It's a piece of technology that creates a secure connection between your computer and the things that you're trying to connect with. Okay, that's a pretty simple definition. It helps to create trust, security, and safety. Someone say, a place of trust. Say, a safe place. A safe place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to have eyes to see, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, Father. And Lord, as we start to talk a little bit today about community and networks, Father, I pray that you would, you would soften our hearts, Lord, and you would, you would speak to us as individuals and ultimately to us as a body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to jump straight into the main text for today. Acts 2, 41. And those who believed Peter were baptized, about 3,000 in all. They joined with the other believers in regular attendance at the apostles' teaching sessions and at the communion services and prayer meetings. A deep sense of awe was on, on them all. And the apostles did many miracles, and all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other, selling their possessions and dividing with those in need. They worshiped together regularly at the temple each day, met in small groups and homes for communion, and shared their meals with great great joy and thankfulness, praising God. The whole city was favorable to them, and each day God added to them all who were being saved. Now, the book of Acts gives us uh, a good, some good insight and history into the runnings of the early church. Once Jesus, um, once Jesus ascended, and and Paul really was the cornerstone to help build the early church. This gives us an idea of what's going on, and the book of Acts was written by Luke who was not a disciple. So this is an outside account. He was, he was not an apostle, but he was one of Jesus' followers. Okay, And it gives us, uh, again, um, insight into some of the traits, some of the common beliefs and actions and activities in the daily lives of believers back in the early church. And in the picture that's painted for us, we can learn some very, very key essentials that should be a part of every church, even the modern-day church. What we're talking about today is, is, not, is not relegated back to only the early church. Things have changed, but there are essentials and principles that remain with us today, and we can learn a lot from these scriptures. Among these essentials is this concept, this word that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to say for you, and the word is koinonia, okay? Koinonia. Koinonia. And it's a term that translated into English. It means Christian fellowship or communion with God or, more commonly, with fellow Christians, koinonia. And this fellowship which the church, the early church demonstrated, which we are to be a part of as well, wasn't, again, just for them, is far more broad and far more encompassing most of us might think about. We can read scripture and we can say, oh, that's what they did back then. Well, that's 2,000 years ago. They didn't even have cars. They didn't even have this. We're very, very different in society today. It doesn't apply to us. It's an easy thing to say, well, that was then and this is now. But I promise you that there are things that really still apply to us now in the church. Amen? Amen? Being a part of a community, was a very, very big part of what the Scriptures tell us for the early church. Being a part of the VPN of the church, the virtual private network of the church, it is, in fact, a spiritual duty of every believer. I'm going to say that again. It is a spiritual duty of every believer to be connected to the church. Did you know that? Did you know that God expects His followers... To be in community with each other. Let me say it again over here maybe. Do you know that God expects that His followers are in community with each other? It's not a matter of we get saved and we go about our, our life living as an as a individual. No man is an island. We are expected to be a part of a community with each other. And as far as God is concerned, the church is to operate as a A community, period. Acts 2 44. And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. I love how that reads in the voice translation. The voice says, There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. Amen? That's powerful. The church is not a club. The church is not a club. Okay, And even though the church may legally be incorporated as an organization and needs to be managed and run as one, we are not simply a religious organization. This isn't just a, you know what, I I, I belong to Jesus, so I'm going to join this religion and go to the club. That's not what we do. That's not what we're about. You need to understand that the church, according to Scripture, is a living organization organism. The church is a living organism. It is living. It has functioning systems with independent parts. Believers. And those together, those believers, those individual parts, when you put them together, they make up the body of Christ. We are not an organization. We are a living organism. Romans 12. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it. Say all of us. All All parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other. So we belong to each other. And each needs all the others. Each needs all the others. So when you feel as if, you know what, I'm going to skip out, I'm not going to do my part, you're missed because the body is not complete. We all need each of us, Scripture tells us. First Corinthians, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they are all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of, one, of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit, say one Spirit, and have all been given that same body Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. Verse 27. Here, here is what I'm trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ. And each of you is a is sorry. And each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. We are one body, but we all have our roles to play. That's why it's, you, you hear a lot of people say. They talk about the church and this reference to the fact that they think or they say the church is a building. How many of you know the church is not a building? This building that we're in right now is a place where this congregation, this body of Christ, meet together. But the church is not the building. The church is the people. The church is the body of Christ together. Amen? I came across an all-too-fitting quote as I was preparing this message, and it read, A church is not a meeting you attend. It's not a thing you do. It's who you are. It's your identity. It's your place of belonging. Oh, man. The church is not a meeting that you attend. The church is not a thing that you just do. It's who you are. It's your identity. It's a place of belonging. And the church said, amen. Amen. So we understand the example and the expectation that we should all have community. And we should all be in fellowship as a part of the church, as a part of the body of Christ. But I want to give you three specific elements today that help make up what this community needs to include. What this community looks like. Kind of explaining the, the community, okay? So number one. Being part of a biblical community involves intentionality. Intentionality. I love the word intentional. I use it all the time. Think about it all the time. But what does it mean to be intentional? What does it mean to be intentional? Intentional means to do something on purpose. To do something not by accident. right? Intentional means to do something on purpose, not by accident. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss the fact that us being intentional can be something good or can be something not so good. Either way, you can still be intentional in what you're doing. I promise you, no one has ever tried to rob a bank by accident. (laughs) Promise you, no one has ever tried to rob a bank by accident. And kids are really good at that, right? Kids are really good. I'm not robbing banks, but Saying, I have three young boys. And I hear things like, I didn't realize his face was under my foot. That wasn't a punch. I was hugging him with my fist. These are the kind of things that you experience. But how many of you know that these probably are not accidents, right? There's intention behind these kind of things. But when you're being intentional in your decisions, in the decisions you're making, about what you're going to do and where you're going, you really can't just be going through the motions. Let me say that again. If you are actually being intentional about the decisions you make, what you're doing, and where you're going, you really are not in the category where you're just following the motions. Unless, of course, your intent is just to follow the motions, which probably should not be the case when you operate intentionally, when that's your, 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 your MO, you should be able to answer this question. You should be able to answer, why are you doing what you're doing? should be able to answer that question if you are operating intentionally. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why did you make that choice? If, you can, if, if someone asks you that question about something you've done, a decision you've made, and your answer is, I don't know, then you weren't operating with intention. You're going through the motions. You're not being active in your decision-making. For so many people, going to church is really a matter of convenience as opposed to a matter of commitment. Pastor Rick would have said, it got real quiet in here. But the reality is you're here, so good for you. For many people, it's a matter of convenience, not a matter of of commitment. It's too cold outside. It's too hot outside. I heard it might rain today. You know, I stayed up really late last night studying. Um, I'm really, really tired, so I can't make it. Oh, and besides, Pastor Rick isn't even preaching today. Let's skip out on church. (sighs) What are our intentions? What are your intentions? What is your focus? Are we giving convenience an improper level of value compared to our commitment? Are we weighing convenience with our commitment and giving the wrong amount of value to the convenience side as opposed to our commitment side? Did you know that President Theodore Roosevelt made a commitment to attend church on Sundays, and and he continued to do this all of his years through Washington, even when he was president of the United States. He went to church every Sunday. And the pastor of the church that he went to always received a letter or a phone call from the president when he expected to be out of town, explaining his absence. Now, I'm not saying that you guys need to phone the church or send letters when you're not going to be here. It's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me wrong. What I am saying is that example of commitment is very powerful. And Theodore Re- uh, Roosevelt's commitment was important to him. It wasn't a matter of convenience. It was, it was, a, it was a matter of his commitment and his intention. I wanna up the ante a little bit for for anyone who calls himself a believer. And I wanna say this As a believer, being intentional also needs to mean having correct priorities. It's one thing to just say that I'm intentional in what I do. But if I'm a believer and I say that I'm following Christ and I wanna be intentional, my priorities need to also align with my intention as a believer. Amen? Amen? We can't just be doing whatever we want and being intentional about it. Our priorities need to line up with what, with what the Word of God is saying and the direction that we're following as believers. We need to have correct priorities. And the first example that comes to mind, and the, it's, it's a when and if. Type scenario. When and if of the coming back to church in the building for regular services on a whole. Now, the thing is, there's a free pass right now, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of what's going on around the world, but there's a free pass right now due to COVID-19. There is a lot of risk, and obviously, if someone is sick or if they're in a specific high-risk category not referring to those people because obviously you have a, a, a legitimate proper reason. But I'm thinking, and I'm, I say it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a when and if, what happens when this is lifted? Let's see what things look like in the church. I'm not only talking about living water. I'm talking about churches all around this nation. And why do I say all this? Why am I asking this? Well, Because a pre-COVID survey that was taken showed that many people feel it is quite acceptable to simply watch church service on television. Pre-COVID survey, it's acceptable to watch church service on television and never commit themselves to regular assembly in the body of Christ. Beyond that, there are some people that say that talking about God and religion with friends at work or in an informal setting is all the church they need. That's scary. That's scary. The early church was focused on growth. The early church was focused on nurture of the believers. Acts 2:42 the community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. See, they realized that lasting and productive relationships based on mutual love and respect are the substance of Christian life and the substance of Christian growth. That stuff has to be there. There's a big disconnect when you can't touch people, when you're not in community with people. Hebrews um, 10.25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let me say that again. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return, talking about Jesus, is drawing near. Let's not stay away from each other. Let's be safe. Let's use good judgment. Let's not be idiots and walk out into certain danger. But notwithstanding any of that, let's not stay disconnected from each other. Let's stay connected. Let's help build each other up. Let's support each other. We need each other, as the Bible has told us. We should be intentional about our involvement and our commitment to our church fellowship. Amen? Number two, being part of a biblical community involves unity. Unity. Acts 2.44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Acts 4, 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind. Let me say that again. All the believers were united in heart and in mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Question. Do you think that all the believers in the early church always got along with each other? All the time? Probably not. Do you think they ever had conflict? I'm pretty sure they had a lot of conflict. But the example that's used here, they are used as an example under the banner of unity. They had conflict. They had problems. Every now and then their, their their wife or their brother or sister would probably upset them. But they're the example that the Lord uses as a banner of unity for us to look at. Which means, even though they had conflict, even though they didn't always get along, it means they worked it out. It means that they were able to get past themselves and work it out for the greater good. Amen? How does that contrast with our society today? Oh man, we live in a very different time. In our society, if, if you don't agree with someone and you have an opposing view on a topic that's someone else, with, with someone else, you can't talk to that person. You can't talk that out. You can't talk about your differences. In our society today, if someone doesn't agree with me, that person's dead to me. I automatically can lock lock that person off. I'm gonna unfriend them. I'm gonna cancel all my this with them. I'm probably even gonna start talking about them because I want to do that person dirty. That's where we are as a society. If we can't, if we don't agree with something, if we're not on the same page, we can't talk it out. There's nothing more for us to say to each other. There's no point in having a, a discussion. There's no point in having a debate to hear someone else's perspective. That's scary. That's not a good place for us to be. That's very, very true in our current political climate. But it doesn't end there. Kids think they know better than everyone else. My kids are still younger, but they still challenge. Like, are you sure, Dad? I My kids know that I've been a computer guy for my whole professional career. And when I'm telling them how to use the software, how to click on this, they're asking me if I'm sure. i like, what do you mean am I sure? Then don't ask me for help if you don't want my help. But kids know, kids know everything. You can't tell them anything. And kids don't take correction. It was different when I was growing up because taking correction wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice when I was growing up, but guess what? It was for my benefit and it was for my good. And I'm able to look back and appreciate that. Nowadays, unity, even among Christians, is a very interesting and complicated word. So we need to really reference the Bible and look at the examples in the Bible of what unity looks like. So we certainly don't have a a really good reference nowadays. And we see it looks like sharing and helping each other in a number of different ways. That could be financially helping out your brother and sister. That could be just being an ear to someone. Helping someone to move. You know that always happens, right? Whenever someone someone buys a new truck, guess what? You're the person that everyone's going to call when it's time for someone to move. Community. It might be helping someone assemble some of that crazy Ikea furniture that no one knows how to assemble unless you really follow the instructions. I'm pretty good at Ikea furniture, though. It may be being intentional and choosing not to gossip or to sow discord between people or in a situation. It also means sharing our common experiences common experiences of joys, sharing it with the body, sharing our fears, sharing our tears. You see, what it is when you look at the example, it's God's people hanging out together. It's God's people eating together and working together and finding common ground together. It's God's people playing together and praying together. It's God's people serving together, studying together, growing together, No man left behind. Let's pull this guy up. Let's do this together as a family. It's God's people laughing together and crying together. This is the example that we see. 1 Corinthians 12. There should be no division in the body. Instead, all the parts mutually depend on and care for one another. If one part is suffering then all the members suffer alongside it. If one member is honored, then all the members celebrate alongside it. It's one body. It's amazing how, um, it's amazing what we can do when we have unity. It's amazing. It's really, really powerful if we're all on the same page. You've heard the, the about the Tower of Babel back in the in the the scriptures, right? And when everyone was together, they said, we are going to build a tower that reaches up to the heavens. And God looked down and God had to disperse them by changing their language so they could not communicate each other. Why? Because God said, if these people are together, if they're united, there's nothing they can't do. God had to separate that. Because unity is that powerful. Many members together, many members together can accomplish, can, um, can, uh, together can accomplish what the same number of individuals couldn't do as individuals. You take a thousand people working together and a thousand people working as individuals, that thousand together is going to get more done than those a thousand working individually. We are better and stronger together. Think of this. An airplane, an airplane is a machine that consists 100% of non-flying parts, right? There's no part that makes up an airplane that can fly. 100% of the parts of an airplane are non-flying parts. But you put those same parts together, working in unity, and now those parts collectively, they can easily lift a 1.2 million pound Airbus A380, that's the double-decker airplane, to an altitude of over 43,000 feet, traveling over 780 miles an hour. You see, there's a lot of power in unity. When things come together, and that's the example, that's what God wants for us. The Christian community should look like a group of people who are committed to Jesus and committed to one another as well. Let me say that again. The Christian community should look like a group of people that are committed to Jesus and committed to one another as well sharing their lives together, living lives together, unified in the family of God. Amen? That's the example. All right, so far we've talked about a couple things that fall within our VPNs, right? Within our virtual secure network. The fact that we need community, not only do we need it, but it's also an expectation that God has of every believer, The fact that we need to be intentional about what we do to help bolster the community and the body of Christ, and the fact that we need to have unity, right? We understand all these things. And all these things that I've said so far, these kind of all work inside of of this VPN, inside the virtual private network that is the body of Christ, the secure, safe um, place, but the final element that I'm going to share with you is a little bit different. It's a little bit different than the others that, that have this thing going on strictly within the VPN. And the final element that that constructs our, our community or our, our koinonia is being a part of a biblical community involves missionality. Missionality. Part of the intentionality of community is a commitment to disciple one another with the gospel and to share the gospel with unbelievers. There is an expectation that we can disciple one another, but there's also an expectation that we are sharing the gospel with unbelievers, that we're telling people about the good news of Jesus. I've had a number of scenarios, and I'm I'm putting myself out there. I've had a number of scenarios in my life where, where, as I'm studying, um, and I'm progressing in my my maturity as a believer, as a Christian, I may come across someone who might know more than me, or may may not know more than me in terms of um, studying. And I found situations where. Someone tells me a story or they're trying to encourage me. And if I'm honest, there's been times where, in my, where I'm kind of shutting them down. I'm like, I already know this. You don't have to tell me this. Believe me, I've read about that story. I know what happened with Jonah. No, you don't need to tell me that, right? I've had this. But I want to encourage you, if you've ever been in that situation or if, you're, if you've ever run into the same kind of thing where people have tried to talk to you, and because you either felt that you knew that or you just in general knew better. I've been a Christian longer, so clearly I must know better and I can't learn from someone else. If you've ever found yourself in that situation, I want to tell you, you need to stop that. You need to stop that. Because you may gain a new perspective of the same scripture that you know. You may gain a new understanding. This just happened the other day for me. I had, I had my grandmother, who my grandmother's been a... She's been a devout christian for i mean she's she's ninety two or ninety three and I think she's probably been a christian for like like ninety one years or something like that she's it seems like she's been a christian for her her entire life right um and she was sharing a, a a piece of paper with me that had essentially some 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 of the stories of of jesus and when she gave it to me i'm kind of like I know about Jesus, like I don't need to, but thank you, Grandma. And she said, no, 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 I want you to read it. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting at the table and I start reading it. I'm like, wow, this wasn't just regurgitated from the Bible. There was some really good perspective here. There was a lot that t- spoke about what, what must it have looked like for Jesus in his day, his surroundings, the things he was doing on a day-to-day basis. What would he have looked like? Maybe what would he, he have smelled like? What would people around Him thought of Him? More perspective than we maybe just get from the Bible, because when we see things, we see things through different eyes. God can speak to us in different ways, amen? So don't ever shut anyone down because you feel that you can't learn from them for whatever preconception you have, amen? We as the church, we have been given our mission, and we've been given our mission directly from the Lord Himself. John 20, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, we have all been called to be missionaries. We've all been called to to be missionaries. And a missionary simply means that's to be on mission for God. You are on mission for God. That's what a missionary is. See, a missionary is someone who has been sent, okay? Missionality, which is this third point we're talking about, missionality refers to the adoption or the p- adopting the posture of or thinking of and the behavior of a missionary as your regular lifestyle, your regular day-to-day. So it's one thing to be a missionary on mission sent out somewhere, But missionality is talking about the same character traits and behaviors of that missionary out in the mission field needs to really become part of your daily lifestyle when you're just walking around in your house or going to work or going to school or going to the ball field or going to the supermarket. What do you look like? Places that we don't consider the mission field, our missionality should always always, um, supersede and be a part of our lifestyle. The early church was praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What the early church was doing was fulfilling their mission. Their mission known as the Great Commission. They were fulfilling their mission. Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey most of the commands. Just want to make sure there isn't a typo up there, and I'm reading it wrong. Teach these disciples. New disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The early church understood how God set things to work. They understood what the plan was and how Jesus expected things to work. They understood missionality. They understood that it's a matter of keeping their eyes on Jesus, keeping their eyes on Jesus and pointing others to Him. They understood that. They understood that missionality is living in such a way that Jesus is intentionally shared with others. They'll find themselves in a situation where there's a a discussion that has nothing to do with Jesus, but guess what? Somehow, some way, Jesus is coming up. Jesus is coming up. And the easiest way to do that is when someone pays you a compliment. Someone pays you a compliment. Oh, this was so nice of you. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean? Do you know, my God? It's easy to have a conversation. It's easy to have a conversation, but you got to be intentional about it, right? It's got to be. It's got to be something you're, that's part of your missionality. Missionality is is the mentality or habit, the culture in which you go about your life with people on a daily basis, and you look for those opportunities, like I just said, to talk about Jesus, to encourage other people, to be an ear for other people, as I said, to challenge other people, to pray with people, and to praise all in Jesus' name. That's missionality. Without this, without this understanding and alignment of missionality, what you're doing may as well be considered ordinary life. May as well be considered ordinary life. And everybody does that. Everybody does ordinary life. But you were not called to be ordinary. I wasn't called to be ordinary. We, the church, the body of Christ, we were not called to be ordinary. The church has been the church has become content. The church has been has become content for that for the church service and the body of Christ to be nothing more than a hangout for the believers. We've become content with that. And what the, that action is saying, if we're not intentional in our missionality, what that action is saying is we're good. We're all saved. It's all good. Us four, no more. Or us 20, no more. Us 200, and no more. And those actions are saying We are good as far as everyone else. Everyone outside of my private network, outside of my VPN, they could go to hell. That's what our words say. That's what our actions say if we're not aligning properly. It's not enough to come to church on a Sunday, sing a couple worship songs, listen to a message, say, Thank you, Lord say a quick prayer and then go about your life the same way that you that you did that you do Monday through Saturday that's not what god wants it's not what he's expecting i mentioned that that third point right the missionality that element changes changes the scope a little bit it changes the confines of our virtual private network our virtual private church network the body of Christ, the way we see it. And it does, but simply in this way. How does it different? Because instead of us having this secure VPN where we have safety and we have a surety and a place of freedom, we're now trying to pull people into our VPN, pulling people into the safety, people into the relationship and the knowledge and the opportunity to grow and develop and mature as believers, as Christians. That's what's different. We're pulling people in. And we want to extend mercy. We want to extend grace. That safe place, we want to extend that to them. We want them to experience our VPN. And we want our VPN to grow. We want our network. To grow just as the early church did, where the Bible tells us that the Lord added to their number daily. We may see the the purpose of the church community VPN being to keep us connected and keep us protected. And maybe that's the way you see the body of Christ and coming to this to this church, but it also includes growth. It also needs to include. Opportunity. these are part of the things that need to be a part of what we're focused on as believers as a body of Christ and I can't think of a a better or a healthier scenario you see if you're if you're young in the Lord right you just accepted Jesus uh, not too long ago and you're young in the Lord and you're learning the VPN being connected to that VPN into that network with other believers there's help And there's support, and there's knowledge, and there's experience, and there's guidance available to you. And if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, like my 92-year-old grandma, the VPN can offer you something too. Being part of the network, being connected in the body of Christ, there's support for you as well. But probably more important that sometimes is you can be used. You become the support for someone else. You become the person of wisdom. You become the voice of reason for someone else. There's a lot of experiences that, that people will go through that you could you could save someone a world of hurt, a lot of heartache if you were making yourself. Available, if you were intentional, and if you were a part of community, and it wasn't just checking a box and going about my business. We were made for community. The church is a living, breathing organism, it's not a building, it's not an organization, it's a real place with real people, serving, loving, and striving for a growing relationship with a real God. Did you hear me? So have you made that decision? Are you connected to the VPN? And when I say that, I'm saying, are you connected to the VPN? Not just going somewhere and saying, oh, there's a VPN there, but I'm good here. I can still see what's going on. Are you connected to the VPN? Are you intentional about your decisions? Are you intentional about your commitment? Are you doing your part to go against the status quo and live in unity are you willing to have a conversation are you willing and understanding that i can have a difference of opinion with someone else that that doesn't mean that i can't love that person that doesn't mean that me and that person can't find more in common nothing being more and more important than the love of christ amen are you operating in unity is Jesus obvious in your lifestyle? Would someone look at you, hang around you for an hour and be like, ah, that person knows Jesus. There's something different about that person. Is Jesus obvious in your lifestyle? And if the, que- if the answer to any of that is no, my question is why not? Better yet, why not make a change? Why not make that change? This is the time of year when resolutions are made. This is the time of year. What could be better than making a a commitment, a resolution to deepen your relationship with God? What could be better than that? Be intentional and make the commitment to God's community today. He's waiting. And for any of you who have never confessed your need or desire to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you that chance right now. For some of you, it may be a matter of recommitting, getting connected, understanding, being intentional, having unity, and what my, what my lifestyle looks like. But for some, the starting point is just coming into a relationship with Christ for the first time. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes right now. And if you fall into either of those categories, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, and ask Him to wipe the slate clean. If that's you, I'm going to ask for you to put up your hand right where you are. And if you're watching online, you go ahead and put your hand up right where you are too. And the second group that I want to speak to is, are those who, again, for the first time, you've never, you've never professed your need and your desire to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to do that today. If that's you, both in this room or online, I'm going to ask you, put up your hand, let God see it. Don't be ashamed. In the quietness of your heart, just say something like this if you're in either of those categories. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for your commitment to us, to me. And Lord, I pray that you would give me a transformed mind. Come into my heart, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that you offer. I thank you for, for dying for me to give me an opportunity to spend eternity with you. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And I thank you that you are real. That I can have a relationship with you. Lord, I ask that as this year kicks off, you would help me to reestablish myself in community. Father, you'd help me to be intentional in what I do. That you'd help me to always focus on unity in the body of Christ above everything else. And Lord, that you would help, help me to cultivate my lifestyle so that when people see me, they see Jesus. Lord, come into my life, come into my heart, transform me. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are, what you do, and I praise you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.